Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Hey, and thanks for listening in to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr., and I'm pleased to be joined today by Crow Eddie. Hello. Hello. I was just telling Crow, uh, I am home on a Sunday morning with my young son, so there might be some young, uh, some dinosaur roars in the background for our listeners. So, <laughs> Well, welcome, Crow. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Crow is part of the... Um, Center for Indigenous Ministries with the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. He's on the board. He is an artist, and uh, he also hosts a Native Healing Circle at his church, Milton Christian Church in Nova Scotia, Canada. So our second Canadian on the pod. Uh, he is trained in Native spirituality and and uh, has a lot of insights regarding Native spirituality and uh, Christianity. So welcome, and uh, what else would you like our listeners to know about yourself? Um, well, it, 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 I'm also, um, a, a drum carrier. So that means I, I do drumming and singing for spiritual reasons, not entertainment reasons. And this is something that is given to us, passed down to us by elders mm -hmm. as, as well as the songs being, uh, passed down to us, uh, I, I'm active in uh, giving tours on the plant medicines in the forest to uh, willing participants. Okay. And uh, I also uh, I had to bridge the gap between uh, natives and non-natives by uh, uh, fabricating and selling native crafts at various markets and powwows and festivals. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your, your journey of faith, your path to Christianity, if you would, and what your faith well, looks like now. It, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very interesting for me because uh, I was baptized Anglican, uh, brought up in the Anglican church, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm a member of the choir in the, in the Anglican church. My uh, mother, my father was native Mi'kmaq. My mother was from London, England. Oddly oh. enough, they were both they were both uh, Anglican. Huh. So the the Mi'kmaq here in Nova Scotia and my mother in London, England. And uh, about the time that uh, I, I became a late teenager, young. Uh, adult i i guess my my spirituality fell away i wouldn't mm -hmm. say that i was an atheist but uh i was no longer involved i think that would be the best way to say it when i found myself uh, uh, uh at art school studying art um one of the things that really attracted me was philosophy and mm -hmm. uh in studying philosophy, it's really interesting because some Christians have the idea that philosophers are against us, 
But in yeah. studying philosophy, I found that more and more I was drawn back to the uh, Christian way of life. Hmm. And uh, so that that's where I found myself. Um, I, I no longer felt that I, I fit in the in the in the Anglican way of doing things I, mm -hmm. I then uh, uh, there was a United Church handy to me so so I I joined the United congregation which is very similar to Disciples of Christ here in yeah. Canada and and uh, from there I I, uh, I I relocated back to Nova Scotia which is my original home and in the community that I am in, I was, I, I'm sure uh, God had this all lined up for me because I ended mm -hmm. up at uh, a Disciples of Christ Church and uh, it, it was a perfect fit for my spirituality. That's awesome. For our listeners, uh, unfamiliar, so the Anglican Church, if I'm understanding correctly, it's part of just the that's part of the broader Anglican Church, um, correct? Or is it? Yeah. Help me. Is because in, in in the states, it's Episcopal. Is that the same, or do they call it differently in the in Canada? I I don't know um, about the Episcopal. Uh, I, I just <laughs> see Canada is is very closely um, tied to England. So uh -huh. they have the Anglican Church in England. They have the Anglican Church in in uh, Canada. It's basically the same congregation. Yeah. Well, I'll have to do some homework on that then. Yeah, I'm curious uh, now too. Uh, the United Church of Canada, also for our listeners, um, it's a mainline Protestant denomination in Canada. And then uh, Crow and I are both members of the Christian Church Disciples Christ, which is the mainline Protestant denomination. And we that's kind of a U.S. and Canada thing. So, yeah, awesome. Thanks for thanks for talking that with me. Um, has what has has there been anything that's changed or looks different for, about? I guess obviously <laughs> the church of your participation, uh, but is there anything that comes to mind that would be different from your your faith as a, as a young man versus now today? Oh, I I think uh, quite a bit has has changed. Um, it, well, there, there there's a, a quite a a, a difference between uh, the Anglican Church and uh, Disciples of Christ. But mm -hmm. in terms of time, a lot has changed since uh, I was a youth back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, it, <clears throat> it was uh, a very uh, authoritarian, dogmatic experience as, mm, yeah. as a child. And it, it um, I would say it lacked spirituality, but spirituality didn't seem to be the main focus on on, on mm -hmm. it. It was a, a, a very formal experience. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a lot of fun because I was in the choir, so mm -hmm. I, I was um, doing things. I was involved. I was participating. I was in the youth group, so there, there was a, a very rewarding 
in in that way and and those types of things still continue today but today uh, i find um we're looking at christianity through different eyes now that, mm. that we're not afraid to look at our past and our our past wrongs and mm-hmm. and to question um where do we come from i know in the doctrine of disciples of christ and one thing that helped me to fall in love with the disciples of christ it it states that each participant in the church is allowed to interpret the bible in their own way yeah and there is a vast beauty uh in that and and uh it it frees us up from the dogma to really make that spiritual connection yeah that's something that's something definitely i appreciate too and uh as a pastor of a newer church i i kind of uh, i'll tell people that it's a feature not a bug because so much in christianity so oftentimes in christianity um if you're not perceived as having these firm staunch set of beliefs that you can be perceived as wishy-washy or whatever and so i'll make the point like hey this is not this is not a bug this is the feature this is who we are is this is the broader tradition and context we come from that we value uh the right of people to follow jesus as, as they believe oh exactly and and you know i've spent uh my life also writing poetry and heavily involved in literature and and uh looked at the philosophy of uh interpreting and understanding and and taking those things into account of course we're all going to walk away from the bible with our own views and our own enlightenment and i Mm -hmm. I also believe if we open ourselves up spirituality god can speak to us Mm -hmm. with things that we relate to the things that hit us the most are the things that god wants us to hear Hmm. well uh, i'm curious what has been a spiritual practice that has been meaningful to you or that you might recommend to others well the first thing that that comes to my mind is is prayer um both in native spirituality and in christianity uh prayer is a very strong tool um in in the native practice um we are constantly giving thanks we don't just do it at dinner time it's 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 throughout the entire day uh it's an acknowledgement uh how wonderful things are but it's also keeping that connection that dialogue with the creator going mm-hmm. um I, I once heard a quote and if i can remember now <laughs> <laughs> um prayer is like riding a sunbeam to the sun huh so it, it, it and it it's um the the power of prayer is 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 phenomenal Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, people want the, 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 the black and white, the A plus B equals kind of answer yeah. to what yeah. prayer is all about. And I don't find that that model really fits. But 
being in constant dialogue with the creator, your life is shaped. You, you are helped along your path. That's not to say that people don't pass away, that accidents mm -hmm. don't happen, that these things uh, don't railroad us from time to time, these earthly things. But it, it's, it's a hard thing to put words around it, the, uh, the, 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 the wonder, you know, I, I like to say that, um, I have miracles happen to me daily. Hmm. Hmm. It's interesting. I was going to ask you like, what would be like a, a difference between what is so often understood as prayer and especially a white American Christian context. And you kind of, I think you in a way answered that in your statement already of this idea of the A plus B, that there should be some immediate answer. And I, I appreciate kind of the way you're describing it as this constant sort of ongoing thankfulness and gratefulness of giving thanks and praise for life and all the many experiences of life. Yeah, and you have to stay focused um, in in that place where, you know, your life is wonderful. Life is a gift. Mm. You know, uh, we we so often get caught up in in the negative situations that face us that that we forget to see all the gifts that we have, and and yeah. feel that joy that we have, and 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 walk with with, uh, and sometimes it's a lot of work. I, I mean, I work with this in my healing circle with the participants, is 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 trying to stay in joy and and start <laughs> trying to feel yeah. that happiness you know yeah that can be hard sometimes for sure uh anything else you would wa want to share or suggest for uh spiritual practices uh well in in the native spiritual practices that i also participate in i believe you want to talk about this uh, a little further along also but yeah. uh some of the actual practices um uh, two of them are fasting and the uh the sweat lodge for oh. people who aren't aware the sweat lodge is a, a small dome-shaped structure that we enter with um, rocks that have been heated in a fire that create immense heat and steam it, it's quite uncomfortable it's it's a, a physical sacrifice you're 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 making a sacrifice um to show respect to god that you really want to make that spiritual connection hmm. and and that is an amazing practice that that uh, i i'm sad that other cultures have lost this practice hmm. um also uh fasting i've been put out in the forest by the elders uh on many occasions i'm left there uh, uh i have a tent they didn't have a tent in, in history but i have a tent <laughs> but we're not allowed um books uh pens water radios it's just you uh, uh and and the creator 
in your tent and 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 that's that's uh, so you go four days without food and you wow. you go four days without water um it's harmless a lot of people think well you wouldn't you die but yeah. it's quite harmless but the interesting thing is uh while you're making this sacrifice to god is that the first day you're starving, of course, mm -hmm. and the second day your mind is still on food quite a bit. Yeah. And by the third day, you're no longer hungry. You're you're being fed by your spirituality. Uh, you're making a, a greater connection to God, and uh, at at the end of it, we come out <clears throat> and we go into uh, the sweat lodge. Uh, prior to um, having some medicine, water, and mm -hmm. uh, food, and uh, <clears throat> it, it's it's reaffirming, it's strengthening, it's enlightening. Uh, I, I look at how we practice Lent today, and I was talking to my pastor about this since that's not that long ago, and yeah. uh, and. Uh, I was saying, how did we get watered down to this? Well, I'm gonna not watch television programs for Lent, or yeah. I'm, you know, I'm gonna make sure I do uh, do the grass once a week for Lent, or or something like this. Are we really making that sacred? We hmm. something about our ritual to me yeah. seems that um, we're missing out by watering it down that we're, that we're uh, not allowing ourselves to make that strong connection interesting well uh one of the things i did want to talk to you more about was this integrating uh christian and native spirituality so we are kind of uh you, if there's anything else you want to share about that uh we can you're welcome to dive in or else uh i, I say that because often confuse people when we jump out of order, but uh, you're welcome to share more thoughts on that if you'd like. On the, yeah, the sweat well, lodge and the fasting. Yeah, let's take off on that, 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 that little stream now. Um, it, it's interesting. A, a young Native fellow once said to me uh, it, during a conversation on Native spirituality and Christianity that you can't ride in two canoes. <laughs> now mm -hmm. it's a very clever statement yeah. but it, it made me it forced me to think it forced me to analyze and, and, and to question and uh, uh, not just myself but there's a lot of uh, native Christians that have also looked at this question and and since um, we were misrecorded as having heathen practices mm -hmm. so 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 that kind of infects the mind that these these practices uh spiritual native practices are some sort of heathen satanic ritual uh, but they're they're not they're they're uh all about connecting with spirituality and connecting with the creator uh and it's the same creator in Christianity as is, is it is in native mm -hmm. spirituality. Uh, we also, what I 
see as um, looking at the Bible is a lot of older practices that you find in the Bible. Uh, we smudge, we, we, we light up some sage and burn that mm -hmm. sage, and then we bring that smoke over our body to purify ourselves. Well, you, you'll find that in the, in the Bible, in the temples in yeah. uh, Israel, and that, uh, that these types of purification by smoke uh, were taking place. Uh, so this is something that we've lost. We know that uh, High Anglican and Catholics still use the censer, I yeah. believe it's called, uh, an incense device that they take down the, the down the aisle as, as part of the church procession, and mm -hmm. and 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 purify the air with that smoke. So it's the same practice. You know, the, the, the smudging is the same practice. Um, the sacrifices made in the sweat lodge is very similar to um, other types of sacrifices. The fasting, you know, Jesus himself went out mm -hmm. on fast. Yeah. Fasts at one time were part of uh, religious practice and became part of Christian practice as as. Christ's teachings uh, continued uh, continued on. So there there are I don't have in my head a lot of these uh, examples, but if we start to look, there's an incredible amount of similarity in mm -hmm. practices in in native spirituality. I want to go back to something you said when you started out about this idea of being misrecorded by white people, by the early European colonialists of, of, of being heathen. And uh, you're talking about how that if affects even indigenous persons thinking. And I'm just kind of, uh, I'm just kind of thinking about the ways that, that kind of, um, yeah, I'm just kind of thinking about the, how that like, uh, I can't, can't think words here. Uh, how that patriarchy, or that's not the right word, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah. Has con colonialism, I guess, would be a better word, continues to to negatively influence and have repercussions so much farther down the line. Well, it, it we get these um, uh, myths in our head. It's hard to get them out it's hard mm -hmm. to rewrite that program that's that's in our brain i remember reading um there's books uh out uh, quite hard to get a hold of now called the jesuit relations and it's about when the jesuit first came to canada so we're talking pre-settlement right? we yeah. just had some Europeans here to trade and and collect furs and things like that. And uh, so, the of course, we're on the Atlantic coast. Uh, I'm Mi'kmaq. We're on the Atlantic coast mm -hmm. here in Nova Scotia. We were the first contact people in North America. Uh, and, uh, well, there was actually the natives in Florida and us were the first peoples in North America to contact Europe. But, okay. but back to my point, if you read the first book of the Jesuit relations, which is when they were here in Nova Scotia, um, they um, 
the, the Mi'kmaq would be dancing around the fire or um, different practices were taking place. And, and the Jesuits write them up all as being um, satanic worship mm -hmm. practices. Yeah. And, and right, so they're, they're, they were looking through a filter of their own teachings. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to um, interpret and extrapolate that uh, these practices was, were actually um, often giving thanks to the Creator for a, a good hunt or thanks to the Creator for a healthy birth or mm -hmm. these things that took place. So. Yeah, and I'm curious uh, how this has continued to uh, harm indigenous persons, especially those who seek to follow Christianity. I, I'm thinking especially, I'm fortunate to have uh, as part of my congregation an indigenous couple. And I know that's one, that's something that one of the, the, the persons has spoken about is, if I'm remembering correctly, about um, I think growing up on a reservation, I think, and, and being a Christian and, and I'm not sure if, if taking some feedback, negative feedback, but certainly experiencing some kind of negative perceptions um, that she was kind of associated with white man's religion, so to speak. And this is this is a huge, uh, a huge problem. It, 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 it affects uh, a lot of uh, native people. Mm -hmm. I, I had one elder that told me that they used to call the, the priests that would come onto the reservation, I think, black skirts because mm. of their robes. Mm -hmm. And she remembers as a child the strange smell in the house when she would wake up at night. What this turns out to be is that Native practices were made illegal here in Canada. Oh, and wow. the priests would visit the... Um, visit the reservations and if anyone was caught um, smudging with uh, purifying with the smoke or praying in a in a native way then they would be reported and these they would be charged for these practices mm. so she remembers almost uh she remembers the pre priests uh in the way uh that someone in germany might remember the gestapo Wow, they were coming in, and 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 there was a, a, an abusive situation taking place that they had um, unbelievable authority over these people's yeah. uh, lives. Then we look at the residential schools. Many natives' mm -hmm. parents had experienced the residential school experience. Again, this, this schools were run by Christians, so this formulates their idea of what Christianity is. Yeah. I know with my healing circle, I hold the healing circle in the parsonage and not in the church. Oh. The church would be, uh, if we have a nice church, it would yeah. be a comfortable, wonderful place. But I do this out of sensitivity to the people that are coming to the circle because a lot of Native people will not enter a church. Hmm. And Mi'kmaq, we, we call ourselves a Christian nation. We've, mm -hmm. we've been Christianized since the 1600s. Uh, and uh, 
still, uh, because of all these uh, uh, abuses and atrocities, that mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a lot of Native people, they, that's what they see. Mm-hmm. When they see Christian, yeah. they see the, the legacy. And, and and they don't unfortunately don't see the the the, 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 the kindness and the spiritual practice yeah the actual what I call the the true Christian and not the, mm-hmm. the, the myth of history Christian yeah well for the sake of full disclosure uh crow I was I just learned uh, I guess this is a year ago I did I did the the anti-racism pro reconciling training that the disciples of Christ offer. And I learned about, uh, for instance, the, it's the Yakima mission. Is that correct? Yeah, I think yeah. in, uh, was that Oregon or Washington state? Washington. Yeah. That was, this, this was a residential, uh, home that was done by our denomination. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty chilling stuff. Um, and, uh, important learning for me, certainly and and many other pastors and church leaders. Um, uh, talk more about your your healing circle. That's what I'm. I wanted to hear more about that and our listeners too. Uh, tell tell us more about uh, what that well, looks like. I was um, very fortunate. I spent three years um, with the elders, uh, focusing on our spiritual ways and learning our spiritual mm-hmm. ways. As I mentioned before, has put through fasts and sweat lodges um, almost on a weekly basis. And uh, when I had completed uh, my time with the elders, I, I was uh, told that now I have to go out and share, I have oh. to share this knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had no idea how that was going to take place and life uh, does what life does. So I uh, that, that was in Quebec. I ended up back here in Nova Scotia in my homeland okay and I, I, I I'm at uh, the disciples of Christ Church here mm-hmm. and in conversations with the uh, pastor there who is also a, a good friend of mine uh, Russell prime uh, it, it came out that this would be a possibility that we could do this um, through the church. Mm-hmm. as part of their uh, truth and reconciliation initiative. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how it um, was started. Now, the, the, the circle itself, um, people come to a healing circle, very similar to a talking circle, but the focus is way more on spirituality. And... Uh, they're also made aware that that um, I'm Christian, so that's mm-hmm. going to definitely be part of the experience. It's part of who I am as as their elder in the circle. So yeah, that's part of the experience. Also, um, physically, uh, what happens is um, we pass uh, an eagle feather um, from person to person in the circle. Uh, we we open up. Everyone is smudged, so so to get the negativity as far away as we can and, mm-hmm. and, and open up to each other. But the passing of the eagle feather is very interesting. In, in Native culture, we um, have a lot of respect for this. It, the eagle feather, it was given to us um, 
it was a gift from the creator we don't kill eagles to take these feathers they mm-hmm. are uh, collected during the molting season but they so <laughs> i get on tangents don't i that's okay so they so they we pass the eagle feather and the, the beauty of this is only the person with that's holding the feather is allowed to speak okay and what i like to tell the participants in the circle is that more importantly when you don't have the feather you're allowed to listen <laughs> yeah and uh so everyone um is allowed to speak uh uninterrupted uh put their their thoughts out there and and also have the rest of the group um focusing and listening on what they say that in itself is a powerful mm-hmm. healing tool and, yeah. and uh of course we need something to speak about mm-hmm. it's not just random um, I model my circle around um, some native spiritual teachings. Um, I, I do a spring circle and a fall circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, one circle, I will use the medicine wheel teachings. So each week we get a teaching. And the other, the, the fall circle, I use the seven grandfather teachings. The seven grandfather teachings are very similar to the Ten Commandments okay um they uh uh some of them uh wisdom uh truth honesty respect so every week um after we open our circle mm-hmm. um uh we will start uh, uh our discussion on one of them say hmm. uh or love is one of them yeah or respect uh, love's a great one because try and define love yeah it's almost undefinable there's so many definitions and what i like to do is get the group to a place where it's their personal story that it's not uh what they think the definition of love is or the definition of respect is so as the feather goes around and it'll go around the circle um two or three times before our our time kind of runs out and and uh so that they can get in touch so they can make these um words these teachings their own Mm -hmm. so it's not just oh well i gotta have respect and yeah i should love everybody and i should walk with wisdom and i should practice truth it's to take these things on personally as as your way of life my way of life is wisdom my way Mm -hmm. of life is loving and and how do you define that to yourself personally it's amazing i i i never fail to be amazed at how the people open up and reach into themselves to the hurt to the pain to the injuries they've received in life and Mm -hmm. and and actually share those with people that are relative strangers yeah it's quite a powerful experience um for me and for the participants to uh to go through um so far i've had um 
a lot of wonderful comments at the end of circles regarding uh, how it's helped and freed up people from yeah. a lot of their past wrongs. Yeah. Sounds, sounds amazing. Um, I did want to hear real quick uh, and for, for our listeners too, uh, about the work of the uh, center for indigenous ministries uh, of the Christian church disciples of Christ. I know I'm relatively speaking fairly new to the disciples world and uh, this was something I learned about just a couple of years ago. So talk uh, more about that center and their kind of broader mission and uh, scope. Well, I guess our broader mission is to, to bridge that gap and to educate um, our fellow Christians in um, what it is to be Native, what it means to be Native, and what... Um, is being done, uh, what uh, we might not realize, we're still supporting racism. We're still supporting um, a lot of the injuries uh, to take place to um, our native populations uh, across uh, North America, Canada, mm -hmm. and the United States. Uh, one of the things we focus on, we have uh, uh, a uh, uh, seminar, I guess you could call it, called uh, Winter Talk that mm -hmm. we hold on a yearly basis, except for this year due to the virus. And uh, we'll have um, guest speakers. Um, it's uh, completely uh, Christian focused. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's prayers and services. And there's also uh, our guest speaker usually um, is sharing um the native uh, experience mm -hmm. with with uh, mostly uh, non-native participants. One of the big focuses uh, of the talks has been the doctrine of discovery, being that we're all Christians. Yeah. I think the doctrine of discovery uh, it, it it seems to be at the root of the crime uh, that took place here in uh, North mm -hmm. America. One uh, uh, people. Uh, People call us uh, native. People say to me, "Are you? Do you want me to call you native or Aboriginal or Indigenous?" Mm -hmm. And what I like to say is, "Please call me Mi'kmaq. That's mm. my nation. Mm -hmm. So we're not a race. We're a collective group of nations throughout mm -hmm. North America. These were different nations like uh, France and Belgium and England are different nations. We mm -hmm. had uh, uh, different spiritual practices. We had different stories. We had different traditions. And uh, uh, as the European came in here uh, and uh, basically stole the land right out from under us, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I can't put it in any kinder words, unfortunately. Sure, yeah. They were allowed by a, a papal edict called the uh, Doctrine of Discovery. And you can look up the Doctrine of Discovery online if you're um, curious. Yeah. And what it basically says in the Doctrine of Discovery that any Christian nation, England, France, Italy, Spain, any Christian nation can go into another nation 
and um, is entitled under God to occupy and uh, possess the mm -hmm. land. Yeah. So the doctrine of discovery allowed the uh, settlers to come here and they had full license under the Pope to come here and take all the land and resources for themselves and to create their own nation on top of other people's uh, already um, inhabited nations. One thing I like to just throw in and share here because I don't think a lot of people realize yeah. um, the native pandemic. Yeah. And, and what had happened here was that uh, we were looking in Canada alone, it's estimated 95 to 110 million people in the native population. Mm -hmm. The Spanish um, hit Central America, Mexico, and um, rats dump, jump ship, and, and uh, diseases start to, European yeah. diseases start to spread. Now, a lot of people are aware of this, but um, thinking it, think of it in terms of today's pandemic. Right. These diseases spread across North America, so where there were vast nations and, and, and enormous settlements, there were now handfuls of people, yeah. handfuls of people that were damaged, that were bewildered. That, that So when the Europeans come with their doctrine of discovery to Nova Scotia or New England and, and start to hit the eastern coast, they see a lot of open land with very small villages of people. Now, these people have experienced great trauma mm -hmm. at this point. So we're looking at a reduced population who are um, uh, with, with the PSDs, you know, post-traumatic oh, yeah. syndrome PTSD, yeah. from this pandemic. So uh, what could I say? It must have looked ripe for the picking. Interesting. You know, and, and it's a it's a perspective that uh, uh, hasn't really been uh, widely shared that mm -hmm. of the, the, the damage that had just taken place in North America at the time of colonization. So, mm. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I was I was tempted to ask, like, how does the doctrine of discovery still affect? But I, literally, I was remembering, I think even literally this morning, I saw a story that the president Trump is transferring some land, some native lands in his last day of office to minors. And I think, boy, that's, that's a prominent example right there. Well, I, I believe that it's still in American law mm -hmm. that it was actually used um, early on. So it became a, a, a statute of law. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has been used historically to remove lands from Native peoples. I think the scariest thing for the non-Native population is it's all our land. Mm -hmm. And I, I find talking to non-Natives, that's a frightening thought. Yeah. That they really feel... Um, they're at threat or, or, or their land could be stolen. I know um, 
on the Bruce Peninsula in Ontario, Canada, a large segment of uh, Wasega Beach was uh, returned to the Native people up there mm -hmm. after uh, years of court cases. And uh, there were cottages on that land. And um, I was speaking with, with someone. I said, well, now, wouldn't that be great? You can get a cottage, beautiful cottage, on a huge sand beach for like $5,000. The natives mm -hmm. were selling the cottages. You didn't get the land, but you, you could buy a cottage and mm -hmm. go there every summer. And and they said, well, I, I wouldn't move there. You know, they, they sell you the sell you the cabin and then they, they, they just kick you out and sell it to somebody else <laughs> and yeah. i thought what what makes people believe that that we're any different that we're not reasonable that we're not law-abiding that, mm -hmm. that we don't have this form of sanity there's a real problem going on right now here in nova scotia we have the right to fish for lobster Mm -hmm. And and uh, little by little, um, this right has been exercised. But one of the reservations had decided to do this um, in full scale, and the the licensed lobster fishermen got up in arms and they burnt down the uh, the, the the building that housed all the traps and everything else, and and mobs uh, attacked the native population there. And yeah, and when I talk to people again, I get the same myth a lot. Well, they're gonna take all the lobsters and, mm. and they're gonna fish out of season and they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that. And it, it, it's just, it, it baffles me that people still have this idea that we're some kind of savages mm -hmm. when, when um, sustainability of nature has always been yeah. a bigger part of our focus than it has been with with the uh, colonial population. Yeah. So. I, I tend to wonder if it's like because white people have such a history of just like monopolizing and overtaxing resources that we just assume everyone else is going to behave in the same way. It's just a, it's a really, in my opinion, just a really backward uh, way of thinking. It kind of stems from uh, our own kind of wrong, wrongdoing. Let's well, I'd have to agree with that, that, that we, we get stuck in patterns of thought. Mm -hmm. and, and we 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 do don't we we don't think outside of ourselves yeah um if we have means we don't really think about what poor people are going through what yeah. it means when your toaster breaks down no big deal well you can't buy another one you're poor yeah you know there's 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 so many things um it, it's hard for anyone i think to spend the time thinking about these things. Uh, I do think, though, uh, as Christians, and if we look at the teachings of Christ, these are exactly the things um, we've been directed to think about. Yeah. And the places we've been directed to help and plug in and make change and to seek justice. Yeah. 
Well, I wanted to hear real quick about your your art. I know we spent so much time talking about these broader topics, but uh, I want to give you some time to talk about your art and the way you, you've sought to incorporate um, all this in your in your artwork. Well, <laughs> you gave me a heads up on these questions, and and, yeah. and that one. Um, how do I incorporate it in my art? Um, I could say I don't. That. Mm -hmm. um, God does. Oh, that 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 that, that God um, guides my hands and and guides uh, what I create mm -hmm. and, and what I do and what I've done over the years and also uh, supports supports me in in um, the actual uh, being able to create art. It's a, kind of an expensive endeavor yeah and uh if if you know all the myths about artists it's not profitable in any <laughs> there's a handful that have yeah made fame and a lot of money but it's not a profitable uh endeavor i used to be um very involved in uh gallery exhibitions and uh uh exhibitions and uh it, it uh now I live in such a rural area that I don't really have access to that type of uh, mm -hmm. that, that I don't have access to the galleries and, and those types of things any longer. So it, it's become an even more powerful thing for me because the focus is really between God, my art and myself. Um, I don't want to confuse the audience to think that I'm painting uh, godlike pictures. <laughs> yeah, I'm not painting. Yeah. I'm not painting religious scenes. I'm not uh, necessarily painting uh, native scenes, although a lot of my art is native based. Mm -hmm. It's more normative. Hmm. It's more um, people in in common everyday situations, and that's where I find. Uh, that's where our beauty really lies in the who we are and what we do every day and how we carry our lives. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some closing questions. Is the church really dying or is it dying to change? How can the church recapture what it was in the first century? A distinctive confessional community willing to stand against the status quo to speak up against the empire and to stand for the gospel. How can it do this in a 21st century context? This year, the Festival of Homiletics invites you into a conversation around how the promise of the gospel might shape hope and ministry for the future of the church. What is the role of preaching in forming the church of the future? Be inspired by God's word proclaimed by some of the nation's finest ministers and teachers. Experience the fellowship of hundreds of preachers Learn and worship in an atmosphere that is dynamic, friendly, nurturing, and prophetic. Come renew, refresh, and recharge your spirit. Join the Festival of Homiletics this spring for the 29th Annual Preaching Conference. It will be broadcast virtually the week of May 17th to the 21st, 2021, and is free to all who register. Enjoy over 30 sessions from some of the best practitioners in the business. Michael Curry, Kate Baller, Diana Butler-Bass, Otis Moss II, Brian McLaren, Marilyn Robinson, Adam Russell Taylor, and so many more. 
Register for free today at festivalofhomiletics.com. Are you a worship leader who is going through a faith shift while still trying to produce 52 services a year? Are you a lead pastor who is dealing with high turnover on your creative team? Torn Curtain Arts exists to strengthen the creative soul of the local church by providing coaching, creative consulting, and interim worship leaders from our team with 20 years experience in the trenches of ministry. We help leaders get off the ministry treadmill of chasing Sunday after Sunday. Learn more about how we can help you and your team by visiting torncurtainarts.org. All right, we're back with Crow Eddie, and uh, thanks for your time and conversation here. Uh, I always tell my guests oh, my pleasure. that these closing questions, you can take these questions as seriously or not as you'd like to. Uh, but if you are Pope for a day, uh, what does that day look like? What do you want to do? Something like that. Well, <laughs> we kind of led up to that, didn't yeah, we? If we I did. was Pope for, yeah. If I was Pope for a day, the first thing I would do is address this doctrine of discovery. The mm -hmm. uh, the uh, uh, their, the native groups and churches have contacted the the papal see about this. Um, doctrine to have it uh, struck from the record, struck, taken down, and so far to no avail. They do not wish to change this, which it, it makes me shake my head because uh, of uh, some of the progressive things that seem to be happening in yeah. the Catholic Church today. Yeah. Well, that'd be a good one. Uh, a theologian or historical Christian figure you would want to meet or bring back to life? Well, I would really like to spend time with St. Thomas Aquinas. Hmm. Uh, as, as an art student, he was one of the theologian philosophers that uh, I, I really took to his writing, I really uh -huh. took to his way of seeing. It, it's interesting what the native elders speak when they speak about us, they say we're a people of logic and common sense. Mm. And uh, if you look at that, you know, like our plant medicines, it comes from thousands of years of observing nature. You know, mm -hmm. what a sick moose is eating uh, golden thread, then maybe that golden thread would be good for me to eat when I'm sick. This yeah. type of thing. There wasn't a lot of trial and error with people dying. <laughs> It, it, it was observation. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that St. Thomas Aquinas um, got himself in trouble for more than once was his onus on reason and how mm -hmm. reason comes from God. Yeah. And Thomas, Thomas Aquinas himself was uh, inspired by Aristotle's teachings. So uh, I, I think... Uh, I think our population could use a lot more reason, <laughs> a lot more logic, and a lot more common sense. So, and and of course, um, to read the works of a man like that uh, puts a lot of questions in your head. If I could spend uh, time with him and and he could really expound on some of these things, uh, that would be amazing. Hmm. Good, good. I've not had Thomas Aquinas as, a, as someone suggested yet. So um, what do you think history will remember 
from this current time and place? Well, unfortunately, they'll probably remember um, the inauguration that's about to take place <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, as we're recording and, this uh, uh, next, what, in a few days? I, I, the... I, I, I stay away from the news. Um, I don't like to allow too much negativity into my world. Yeah. Uh, I'm not American. I'm mm -hmm. a Canadian. And, and yet, I just... Uh, been following this um on a daily basis it, it's so tragic yeah and and eye-opening um, yeah yeah what i i would hope that this time would be remembered as a time of change a time mm -hmm. when we start to open up our eyes what we're seeing uh we're seeing some interesting things happen around the world right now in england they're starting to look at their colonial past a lot of uh, wealthy england's money comes yep. from being slave owners yeah and in that country they are <coughs> excuse me they're they're taking down statues left and right and of slave owners and and uh changing names of streets of, mm -hmm. of famous people who were slave owners and and in canada here um it's it's smaller but it, even in nova scotia we removed uh, a statue in a park of of um, one of the governors that was responsible for spreading small plot small oh, wow. pox blankets to yeah. the native population and hiring uh, uh, the rangers to come and scalp the Mi'kmaq for mm. uh, a, a fee up per scalp. Uh, so we're starting to look at these things. Changes are, are starting to happen. I, I know in the United States uh, that, that there's been talk about um, getting rid of the uh, Confederate flag symbolism and looking at at uh, uh re-looking at slavery and 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 uh uh some of the uh things that are carryovers mm -hmm. from 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 that period in in alberta canada uh the the uh pop the native population there just um i think it'd be two years ago now lit what is called the eighth fire Okay. And, uh, there are uh, the prophecies of the fires, and it, when the prophecy of the eighth fire says that when the eighth fire is lit, mankind will come together and look at its differences and reconcile its mm. differences to create one world. And uh, these little signs that we're seeing that, uh, you know, with all the darkness we see in the news, yeah. um, you know, if you look around, there's lots of signs of light happening everywhere. I know in, in Christianity, there's uh, it's starting to take a different direction. Mm -hmm. The theologians are starting to look at Christianity differently. Why would we? be um, following uh, St. James's version of the Bible if we're not British from the whenever that was yeah. 1600s or yeah. something like that that you know uh, can we can we relook at the teachings of Christ in their original intent as Christians mm -hmm. 
So, so, so these types of changes are, are powerful. So hopefully we'll re, re, be remembered for these positive things. Yeah, that was the last question I was going to ask you was what kind of your hopes are for the future of Christianity. And I kind of hear that already in the latter portion of your, your answer with the, the eighth fire and, and uh, these other things. Yeah, that that is that is definitely my hope. Um, I know because of the split in the native community, uh, uh, the, the, the the hatred towards past Christian wrongs mm -hmm. that has has brought a, a lot of native people uh, away from Christianity. So the, 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 there's been a lot of look into well, how can we be post-colonial? Christians? How mm -hmm. can we do away with that dogma and those teachings and the doctrine of discovery and be Christians of today? And, and, and yeah, that is, that is my hope for the future, that the eighth fire uh, brings mankind together and also um, helps us to see Christianity as Christ taught it and yeah. not as all the different iterations of the Bible have tried to um, put it into their own people's ways of understanding. Awesome. Uh, Crow, I don't know, uh, do you have a website or where people can find out about you or, or the indigenous um, ministries of the DOC? Um, the uh, Center for Indigenous Ministries um, does have, well, I think the best, uh, I don't have any of this written down That's okay. for you, <laughs> but if, if, um, a person were to search, uh, Yakima, the Yakima mission mm -hmm. there, there's a lot, um, there, um, there's also, you can find things in disciples of Christ newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually an article I wrote it. I don't know how easy that website is to um, search past articles. Well, I'll I see if I can article. find it and uh, link it in when I share this later. Oh, that would that would be really helpful. Yeah. And then the Center for Indigenous Ministries. Um, we are on Facebook, I believe. I'm not on Facebook, but but I believe that there is a Center for Indigenous Ministries page on Facebook. If people wanted to find out more about what's going on there, um, hopefully uh, we'll all get vaccinated mm -hmm. and uh, this virus will be behind us and we can have our winter talk again. I have just started dialogue here in Canada, so it may be a few years yet, but we would like to uh, host the winter talk here in Canada yeah, at some cool. point also. Right now it's being hosted at Phillips uh, Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll just see if I can find a link for that and include that. But otherwise, thank you so much for your time. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, oh, I love to share. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, may God's peace be with you. And peace be with you. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. But hey, before you go... 
do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people. Thanks, and go in peace.